You're listening to Bedroom Beethoven's, where notable music makers break down stories accompanied by songs and melodies documenting growth through their 10,000-hour journey. And me? Well, my name is Cello, your host. If you've ever heard an ad on this podcast, it's all come from one marketplace that was responsible for providing this content creator and many others around the country the ability to connect to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities. I'm talking about Podcorn. I've been using them since 2019, and it works great because I'm able to cherry-pick the sponsors that I think are valuable to my audience while still having autonomy on how I conduct the show. So if you're a podcaster, visit podcorn.com, set your own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. I'm more of a pre-roll man myself, but it also can include everything from interview segments, topical discussions, and more. So, looking to monetize? The Marketplace mission of Podcorn is here to give you creative freedom and creative control. Start today at podcorn.com. I am a bedroom Beethoven. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to episode 75 of the podcast. My guest this week is. I go by the name of Drummer Boy, aka D Boy Fresh Man, Grammy uh, Award winning producer. Uh, produced Look at My Dad for the Migos, No Hands for Waka Flocka, We Poppin', NBA Youngboy featuring Birdman, Money to Blow, Drake, I'm Rhyme Round, I'm Getting It, Two Chains, I Put On for My City, Jeezy, Kanye, Shawty, Plies, No Love, August Alcina featuring Nicki Minaj. List goes on and on, man. Definitely a pleasure to be here. Ooh, AKA the Cafeteria King. AKA the Cafeteria King, man. My brother. Drummer boy, prolific super producer in the house. He's got two new singles, Burn and Still Can't Believe It, with Scott Storch. 100% of the proceeds from streaming and downloads will go to various organizations that bail out protesters. Longevity in the music industry takes more than simply talent and stamina. It takes skill, adaptability, and a certain alchemy gifted to a chosen few. It's no secret that multi-platinum music producer Drummer Boy sits at the nexus of all five. So if we're talking having an ear for making hits, this is the one. We chat about his 10,000-hour journey through Memphis, ATL, and how he feels like the best is yet to come. But before we get into it, I just want to let you guys know that if you want more of the podcast, just search Bedroom Beethoven's where you get your podcast or visit BedroomBeethoven's.com. Like, comment, subscribe on YouTube, and of course, and always, Patreon.com slash BedroomBeethoven's is where you can donate to the show. Episode 75 with Drama Boy from Texas to Memphis. Let's get it.
So, I mean, so this is how I personally view you. Because when you talk to, like, my parents, they're going to tell you, oh, you know, I grew up with Tina Turner and the Isley Brothers. But I realize that for the new generation, your music is the music of this generation. I'm I'm 35 years old. I remember right when I graduated college at 22, your track with Plies was, like, the hottest thing out. And now my five-year-old daughter is watching Megan Thee Stallion TikToks. And now she's hearing that song for the first time. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. That's that's one of Megan's uh, favorite songs, and just just seeing how things have progressed uh, with the music industry, and just how many people are sampling my music, and just a fan of my music. Even seeing uh, No Hands go gold again in the year of 2019 alone, it was just like, damn, like that's what that's what happens when you're making timeless music. And I'm I'm 36, so I was in the game as a baby, like I'm 18 years in the game, and really was doing this at 18. Um, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to my brother, Insane Wayne, R.I.P. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's just crazy, the progress that I've made from then to now. And I feel like I'm just now getting started. Ooh, and you know, it, and it gets even crazier because last week you and DJ Toon for chilling, you both had a track on that album. So a decade and a half later, y'all can still get in the same room and create hits for a whole other generation. Absolutely. And this is the first time that we actually collaborated together, man. It's a lot of people. You you might be in the business. They say it takes 10 years to really establish yourself. And it's crazy the people you know, you meet, and you you start joking around with them after 15 years of knowing them and like, hey, man, we ain't never worked together. <laughs> I mean, we work together, but we ain't work together. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? So just just having jokes with Toomp and like, man, let's do some stuff. Even Zaytoven, man, uh, the Burn track, we put Pastor Troy, David Banner, Sahai the Prince, uh, Torrey, um, uh, uh, Nucci, and Razcast all in one song called Burn. That just dropped today, too. So it's just amazing. Um, I did that track with Zaytoven and Toomp, and it's, it's just crazy what we've, uh, the, the outcome and the feedback that we're getting on that record. Yeah, it's like you just mentioned, like, I just, I, I feel like I'm just getting started again. And I want to ask you something. Is, is producing music like being an athlete? Like maybe when you're 40 years old, like you're in the NBA, you won't be in your prime, but you're still able to craft up some heat. It just may take you longer to get off the line. For instance, making the put-on beat for Jeezy in 30 minutes, and then it goes on to be two-time multi-platinum. You just achieved a level of success that most people strive for their entire lives in the span of one Seinfeld episode. Yeah, man, I appreciate it, man. It's it's, it's definitely been a blessing. Uh, I've had great management. I've had great con- uh, contractual lawyers. And, uh, you know, that that has really helped me to solidify myself, be consistent, and still have some money saved up, man, to 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 whiff last and to keep doing things that you want to do to stay relevant. That's, yeah, that's good advice. And when you played basketball in high school, you made the music that the team came out to. So I imagine put on was like an NBA version of the shit you used to make for your high school team. Exactly. Put on it was inspired by the Chicago Bulls theme song. Ooh, and then and then you produced the Grizzlies halftime show. So talk about manifested destiny right there. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, you know, just just uh Memphis Grizzlies. I remember when they came to Memphis, I remember when we got that opportunity to have a basketball team, and I was like, man, like I always looked up to Spike Lee. I was like, man, I'm gonna be the Spike Lee in our city, but I'm gonna be the Spike <laughs> Lee, you know what I'm saying? I was like one of the youngest first black African American ticket holders, season ticket holder on the wood floor. You know what I'm saying? And I was down there for like five years 
Uh, but it, you know, it's crazy. I was like, man, I can't be like Spike now, though. I can't. Um, I will not spend two. No, how much did he spend? Forty million, and <laughs> in tickets, like yeah. Jesus, bro. You know how many movies Spike could have done with that? So I was like, let me be smart about this. In the year that I let let my tickets go, they paid me to perform at the halftime show. So I was like, okay, see, now the ball's changing. Now I'm getting checks from the FedEx form. You know what I mean? Now they're paying me, you feel? <laughs> Maybe you can uh, score one of Spike Lee's next films, and you'll be sitting right next to him courtside. Hey, that'll be classic. <laughs> so you, you grew up with music. Do you, do you know the story behind why your father gravitated towards the clarinet out of all the instruments? I do not know that story. That's crazy. You really did some digging. Well, how about this? How does this suave, debonair, clarinet-playing pimp catch the eyes of an opera singer? It, it all That story came from my older brother. So my older brother, we got different fathers. So my older brother was taking saxophone lessons, and the saxophone teacher is right next door to the clarinet teacher, which is my dad. So then... The teacher is missing one day, so my dad is there. My mom introduces herself to him and was like, well, hey, well, maybe you can give him clarinet lessons until the saxophone teacher comes back. And they ended up meeting each other, blah, 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 and then there came me. Oh, but he was he was a maniac, right? His clarinet was an extension of himself, sun up to sun down. He would be practicing, performing. Was he good at work-life balance or was music first, above God, above family, like music was his mistress? Music was his mistress for sure. You know what I mean? No question. You know, and I you know, my mom and dad divorced when they had me. So, you know, it was a it was a tricky situation and you know, I grew up in South Memphis, Black Haven as well as Orange Mound. And then in 13, I got in a little trouble. I almost killed somebody with my clarinet case, you know what I mean? And had to move to Cordova. So it was like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in a sense of, well, I got in a little trouble. Your mom got scared. So you move away to you know, <laughs> But I moved to Cordova, which is like the suburbs. And at this time, this is before Wolf Chase Mall. Germantown Parkway was a two-lane street. Like, like it was nothing in Germantown, in, in Cordova, in Germantown, really. Like, you know what I mean? Now it's just... Popping, popping. Well, I, I was thinking, like, I, I think your grandfather was a principal. Maybe he had, like, all of his peers, his, his principal buddies keeping tabs on you no matter where you went. <laughs> it's possible. My grandfather was a principal in D.C. So, you know, it's too, too, you know, that's way in D.C. And now he has a middle school named after him, General James Golson Middle School, right next to the FedEx Stadium uh, in D.C. And it's crazy. D.C. and Memphis both have a FedEx arena. That's crazy. And And you know what? You mentioned Orange Mound. That's a city that was the first African-American neighborhood in the history of America to be built by and for African-Americans. Oh, wow. That's where 8-Ball and MJG met. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, so we're talking about a city that had black entrepreneurs building black businesses, being supported by their own black community. That's the same shit that Nipsey Hussle, same shit that Killer Mike's doing. It's the same thing that you're doing with House of Fresh. And now you get the key to the city, man. It's just, it's full circle. For sure, man. House of Fresh, definitely follow the Instagram at House of Fresh ATL. Uh, so it's, it's definitely dope, man. You know what I'm saying? To be able to uh, have the store and to turn it around the way we have with the fashion uh, and to deliver the fashion that we have to all of these different celebrities in uh, the community of Atlanta. What's even, yeah, and what's even crazier is uh, your father is the first ever African-American man to hold the first chair position in the Memphis Symphony Orchestra. So there is a lot of history there. And look, I'm not Ancestry.com or anything, but I was curious. And if I type in your last name 
and I type in orange mound on the first page of Google, there's a report almost 90 years old that states that a homicide report for June Porter, that he was killed by Jab Peebles on May 31st, 1931. And he accidentally shot Peebles when he tried to shoot someone named Wade Golson over money during a craps game. So I'm not sure if Wade is related to you, but it seems your family was into some gangster stuff even 90 years ago. <clears throat> hey, we definitely been into some shit. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I think that's anybody, man. I think that goes back in the history of every family, every human, every individual. I mean, you know, you know how it goes. Well, I mean, so still in high school, you met you met Yogati, right? So you're familiar with Garland Street in North Memphis. Absolutely. Garland Street, Ridge Crest is where he came up, you know what I'm saying? And uh that's that's more like the Bolton Highway 64 area. So you got Raleigh, you know what I'm saying? And then you got Millington. And then Raleigh and Millington is more like like north of of the south of Tennessee. You know what I mean? So it's like North Memphis. You always hear your guy that like, I'm from North Memphis. North, I'm from the North. You know what I'm saying? Like everything, Millington, Raleigh, Bolton, all of that is like North of uh, of uh, Memphis. Yeah, I appreciate that because I didn't know much about Memphis. At the time when the Life Tape came out, the reason why it reached the ears of me in my Texas high school was because Lil Flip was on that tape. And at the time, Lil Flip was like the hottest thing. But he was he was hopping on Yo Gotti. He was he was hopping on riding spinners with uh three six and he was collaborating more with these Memphis people than Texas. So it kind of created this rift. But that's that was my introduction to you. And I watched that life DVD that he came out with. And it's funny because he's wearing like if you go back and watch it, he's wearing like a size XXL jacket, talking next to Watkins about Hey, this house right here is where we made them bricks and where we, we make them hundreds and we in the streets. This is how we live in. And then they interview his mom and his mom's like, man, I went from boosting and selling drugs. And then if you watch the Complex Magazine video a few years ago, he's talking all proper. He's got chains. His clothes fit him. His circle is only three guys instead of yeah. 17. He's driving around in a Porsche yeah. and a Phantom. And it's this, man, it's this magnificent transformation from this young, hungry kid trying to sell CDs out of his trunk. They're getting 200 million YouTube hits with Lil Baby. And you had a you had a pivotal part and not only become successful yourself, but think of all the people that you helped. Like it wouldn't be a complete reach to say that you helped Yo Gotti's mom stop selling drugs so now her boy can take care of her and his auntie hey, and his whole man. family based on a tape that you helped him. I got pictures with his mom. I just posted a picture of his mama not too long ago. Wearing that sparkly dress and her hair is all done. I mean, I mean that's a come up. Yeah. Oh, you saw that? <laughs> yeah, but with Miss Mims, man, at that uh, at that yeah. event, and it's just like, whew. Yeah, yeah, man, it's crazy. Uh, he, you know, th- just looking at how me and Gotti came up together, man, like the inevitable entertainment days. You know what I'm saying? I did four tracks on life. My brother, Insane Wayne, who I keep talking about, R.I.P. He did four tracks on life album, and my producer, Swizzo. He did four tracks on Life Out, so we practically did the whole project. Slice T did the rest of it. You know what I mean? And just coming from that, even on the next album, Back to the Basics, I do uh, That's What's Up. When you see me, shout it, pop you, collar, then you holler, that's what's up.
bro, these is like anthems. This was like everything to to to, to really put me on in the streets. You know what I'm saying? This when I met Jeezy, that's the first thing Jeezy brought up was like, "Hey man, that shit you and your Gotti on, that's that shit." Boy, he talking that shit. You know what I mean? And Gotti was like the first motherfucker who really talked that like that from the south, from from our generation. You know what I mean? So to me, that was the tr- the first trap rapper. I worked with, period, before I even got to Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Before T.I., before Gucci. You know what I mean? Before Jeezy. Yo Gotti was the first trap rapper, period. And I don't need to tell you about Lil Kiki and Slim Thug before he signed with Star Trek and did songs with Jay-Z. I mean, these are like South legends, you know, the Boss Hog Outlaws. So you had a hand in that with Bun B, UGK, etc. So a lot of people, they might focus just on your mainstream hits, but they don't realize like just the legends that you work with, underground or not. Absolutely. Scarface, Never, Paul Wall, Slim Thug, Stacking Paper, featuring Jody Breeze. Um, you know, it, it, it's so many records. That Never record that I did for Scarface, like New York, that's when New York like like took me in. Like, oh, 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 he can he can make beats. Oh, he can sample. Oh, it's oh, 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 like, you know what I mean? So it, it was something to get out of the trap world to, to show my my versatility, like. I arrange, I arrange, compose, and write. Like I can play orchestra, jazz, orchestral. You know what I mean? We can do trap. Like I, I, I just go off emotion. If I see it and I feel it, I create it. So when I'm in the trap every day with my bro, or over here in South Memphis, or behind the Dodge Chicken Store, or wherever I'm at, this was the trap. Trap was a location, and it was what I saw that helped me paint that picture and create a sound that we didn't even have a name for. We just had a location, so it kind of just became trap because that's it was we that's where we was making the shit in the trap. You know what I mean? And those, that's what people when you when you see something like you seeing what's going on in the trap, you 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 paint that picture musically, and then that music emotionally talks to that rapper and tells him what to say because you have producers like mad lib and ninth wonder that still use the old beat machines but you embrace the technology like why would i spend 20 hours doing something when i can use new technology and do it in 10 seconds but at the same time like you said you're not a one-dimensional trap producer you crate dig so you're like a you're like a 65 cadillac with modern interior the best of both worlds absolutely man you know what i mean it's like that old school classic with 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 the new engine, the new exhaust pipes, the new <laughs> rims, you know what I mean, the leather interior, whatnot, you know what I mean. So it's it's custom. You can customize to whatever you like. If you want the Ferrari with the old school inside, you know what I mean. We can do some shit like that, bro. It's no limit. If you want to build a whole new vehicle, and we call that shit the Tesla, we call that shit the this or that. Look how many new vehicles are coming into the game. You know what I mean. So it's no limit. Don't just settle for Ford or Honda or. Mazda, like I'm gonna create my own shit, and bam, here come here comes trap. Now, 20 years later, we on the verge of creating some new shit, man. Just stay tuned. Well, how'd that come about? The sample for Scarface is never was uh, Ronnie Dyson, Sarah Smile, a track from 1977. And the sample you used was within the first 10 seconds. So, were you just digging, and it was something about that record that grabbed you? Yeah, a lot of times the best the, the best part of the sample usually comes from the intro or the outro because all of the drums, all of the percussion, all of the big band shit hadn't come in yet.
So it's enough room to kind of take that and then I can put my own drums on it. Sometimes it might come in the middle of the song or the bridge of the song or the end, the outro of the song. But, you know, I, I'm just a crate digger. I, 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 I take what's dope. You know what I'm saying? It don't matter. If it's dope, I'm going to snatch it. I was going through my mom's records and uh, I found that little clip. It's the Bedroom Beethoven Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Gettys, which is an apparel line of men's and women's clothes made in their own factory in Metro Detroit. That's important to highlight because not only are the tees, hoodies, and sweatshirts top quality, but they're able to create jobs and lead the charge for ethical clothing manufacturing, sourcing only American-made materials made by a 100% American workforce. This means that they can invest in the same premium materials of high-end brands without the crazy prices for my listeners. I'm actually wearing the heavyweight crew tee, 100% cotton, and I gotta be honest, I don't think I own any shirts that are this sturdy. I mean, there's there's real weight to it. A lot of my shirts are airy and thin, but this this feels like I'm wearing top-quality fabric, and when you take it out of the bag, it's got that crisp smell to it. Mm. Look here, listeners of my podcast, to receive 15% off, use code BEDROOMBEETHOVENS at checkout. These people embody the entrepreneurial and renaissance spirit, the grit and soul of Detroit. So head on over to Gettys.us. That's G-E-T-T-E-E-S dot U-S. 15% off your order. Use code BEDROOMBEETHOVENS. Get you some clothes for those cool summer nights. You, as a person, you felt like you outgrew Memphis, and by moving to ATL, you found a second wave of success. Is that a formula that you think works for you, or should Fraser Boy or Project Pat or Little White, should they have done the same thing so they could have lent their talent to a bigger crowd, or that's what just worked for you? So many people get caught up in what people think, and I've never been there. I don't give a fuck what you think. I know where I'm born. I know where I'm bred. I know where I'm raised, and I throw up an M on every fucking picture in every place I go, so I rep Memphis till I'm fucking gone. And the, and the city know that. And as far as giving back community efforts, philanthropists, and, and just so many educational events that we've done for the city to enlighten and enhance and upgrade. And you know what I mean? Like, bro, it's, I, I, I'd have exhausted all of my energy into my city of Memphis all the time. And I it, that will never stop. You know what I mean? Regardless of where I'm at. If I see a city and I can play major league base, basketball here, and if I feel like I'm playing underground basketball in Memphis, I'm finna go play with the major leagues, my nigga. And as soon as I got to Atlanta, bam, Jeezy, Gucci, Pastor Troy, Rick Ross, Birdman, Boys in the Hood, Drake, Two Chains. Like, come on, how it's like, okay, it was a, a good hundred people to work with in Memphis. Guess what? It was about ten thousand motherfuckers to work with in Atlanta. So I'm going to make more money. And, and, you know, me, I'm a businessman. You know what I'm saying? I got to go with the major shit going on it. And then we still pipeline that shit. That's the difference between me because I'm getting money in Atlanta, but I'm pipelining that shit back to Memphis. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of when, when Dolph needed me, Ken Folk Thugs was calling me. You know what I'm saying? That's the first folk who told me about Dolph. Ken Folk Thug. Hey, man, I'm telling you, man, Dolph, the next nigga. Hey, shit, let's get it. We give them the blueprint, tell them what to do. Woo, woo, woo. This live mixtape thing popping. Woo, woo, woo. We come with Welcome to Dolph World. High class street music, volume one, volume two, volume three, volume four, nigga, gelato, motherfucking bosses and shooters. Did man, every rapper, I tell rappers all the time, man, drop 30 motherfucking tapes and see where you at after 30 tapes. 
Motherfuckers be happy about one tape, two tape, three tape. Oh, that's cool. That's some R&B shit. You want to be this rap shit? You want to do some rap shit, man? You're going to have to be about uh, 30 to 100 tapes deep. Period. I watched Dolph go from 40 grand to fucking almost 40 million. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the same thing with Moneybag, yo. Same thing with Gotti. You know what I'm saying? Black boy, youngster. I mean, uh, black, uh, uh, young, black, uh, youngster. You know what I'm saying? Just watching it, seeing it, even with 2 chains, Watching it, seeing it, even with Jeezy, even with Tip. I've seen it from the bottom. Go to the top. Time, 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 time again. Okay, we got a new artist, Drake. From the bottom. I seen it. His first music ever we did was, was Money to Blow. You know what I'm saying? Like, I seen it. Even 2 chains, like Switch, hey, man, the titty boy thing, man. Woo, 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 man. I just feel like, man... You know what I mean? I, you know, DTP ain't doing all they can for me. Woo, 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 the, like, you know what I'm saying? The frustration, the vibe. Okay, the name change. All right, bet. Let's do true religion. I do walk in and I turn up. Round, round, I'm getting it. And boo. Boo and round, round, I'm getting it. Both hit the top 100 billboard. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people, they get into their feelings about it. But look here, Juicy J wouldn't have got on a Katy Perry record if he would have stayed where he was. Man, facts. Big facts. I, I'm going to ask a question that I know that has been asked before, but I'm going to put a little twist on it so you don't get too tired of it. I know there's a situation where you're contributing to someone like Gucci and Jeezy, but they don't necessarily get along. Now, Gucci and Zaytoven were creating music every day. Jeezy was the new hot guy. Zaytoven went home and made a beat for So Icy. Artists get jealous and they try to pull you into drama. Like, hey, man, don't do a beat for that guy. You're making hits for me. Like, how do you deal with that? Like, what do you do when T.I. takes a beat that was made for Twista and T.I. goes double platinum off a beat you made for Twista? Can fast friends turn into sore feelings when money's involved? For the most part, man, these guys in Atlanta be happy to see other guys win. And I think that's one of the key ingredients to Atlanta success, as opposed to North Memphis don't like South Memphis and East Memphis don't like West Memphis. And this artist be- beefing with this artist. I think you're seeing the most successful music scene in Memphis today because of the example that Atlanta has set, as well as myself, starting a unification process called Welcome to My City. When I dropped volume one, volume two, volume three, and now we're working on Welcome to My City, volume four. I have encouraged every young man in the city of Memphis, man, to to unify and to come together and to support each other. And that is the way we will see the ultimate riches. The hate is going to keep keeping us low and, and, and underground. You know, that I have been a pioneer for that, along with uh, uh, motivation from guys like uh, uh, Minister Farrakhan and Martin Luther King being killed in our city and just saying, man, at some point this has got to stop. Seeing where we are today in the history of time is historical. The fact that I'm alive, the fact that I'm young, vibrant and able to make music for my fans and to deliver to my people and my peers uh, is, 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 is priceless, man. You know what I mean? So I, I'm just, I, I, I honestly, I still can't believe it. Like, that's my emotion. Seriously, that's my hashtag. That's my mood. Still can't believe it. And here it is. The song is clear and we get the song released today on a day like Juneteenth. So it's, it's crazy, man. Y'all make sure y'all follow my Instagram at Drummer Boy Fresh. Make sure you follow my clothing store at House of Fresh ATL. Uh, the record label at Drum Squad Records. Follow our DJ coalition at Drum Squad DJs. 
And check out my clothing line at Fresh Family, man. Fresh Family spelled P-H-A-M-I-L-Y. Uh, follow our YouTube channel, Drum Squad TV. Subscribe. I also heard the Still Can't Believe It single, and I get it, man. You on the drum, Scorch on the keys, it's beautiful. So it, it, it was amazing uh, collabing with Scott Storch. I just made a post where we interviewed him and we used a little clip that he said or spoke about me. So y'all check that out in my last post at Drummer Boy Fresh. Oh, man. Drummer Boy podcast coming soon, I bet. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Stay tuned, man. Stay tuned. Well, uh, I mentioned Zaytoven because we got the Burn single. Burn is just what's going on in the city, man, for real. Like, Wendy's got burned down by, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know the, the the protest going on here. Like I'm I'm in it. I'm 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 I I have just recently voted and got caught in the protest. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's just so many epic moments that motivate you. And like again, you make music around what you see. At least I do. Yeah, I make yeah. music around what I see. I'm a very emotional producer. So if I'm around protests, if I'm around killing and anger and hate, I'm gonna make music that 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 matches that emotion. Well, can I ask you a personal question? Yes. Cops, especially today, they're not America's favorite occupation right now. And I think this modern civil rights movement is opening ignorant people's eyes to police corruption and how they force their will on people. I want to ask you, it, it, it took a year for your brother's killer to get justice. Do you feel like the police did everything in their power to close that case or were you a bit disgruntled? Oh, I think the FBI did everything. You know, FBI, different ball game. This, this, we talking federal. So it's a little bit different than, uh, than, than the police. You know, I don't, I don't you know, detectives, again, is a whole different ballgame than police. You know what I mean? They work for the APD, but I think what detectives do and what the FBI does uh, is a little bit different. Well, you're a God-fearing man. Have you? Did you forgive him? Um, damn, bro. That's the first thing. You asking some tight questions, bro. Um, I haven't. But I haven't even thought about it. So I, I we're not even there yet. Like the trial is still open. We haven't even went to trial for this shit. Like, you know what I mean? That's understandable. Well, I, I wanna I wanna give a RIP to your your big brother insane Wayne. I know he had four kids. I know you're you're probably a great uncle. I know the whole the whole situation is just tragic. And and I know I think your knee jerk reaction was to distract yourself from the pain or deal with the pain by, hey, I'm just gonna go I'm gonna be like my dad, man. I'm gonna put in sixteen hours in the studio. But you kind of decided to kind of take a year off from releasing music. So what did that time off allow you to do to where you were ready to come back full force a year later? It allowed me to uh water my relationships and uh, and to understand family. You know what I mean? And, and to really understand what's important. Like I can make a beat anytime. Like this just like riding bikes, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Music don't control my life. Music don't run my life. And that's the difference. Like I, you know, it's it's certain points where I used to be worried about my dad, like, yo, you you don't care about shit. You know what I mean? It's a lot of moments that might have been missed with me uh when I was a kid, a certain basketball games that I might have won him at that, you know what I'm saying? He you know what I mean? Chose to do other things or be other places. You know what I mean? And I think that's the difference with me is just wanting to be there, wanting to, you know, have a personal life and be happy personally. Like, how can you just be happy business wise or uh, uh, career wise, but you have no personal? I mean, and you learn a lot about that through Quincy Jones uh, in his autobiography and his documentary as well. So. I've seen so many other people, you know, kind of, you know, take advantage of time that we have, especially while we're young. 
uh, and enjoying life. You know what I mean? So I, it, it was good to kind of get all of those things. And I've had some amazing people around me that that was able to show me love. To, to, to So I really know what real and genuine love feel like. Sometimes, you know what I'm saying, in the music industry, everything fake. Everybody wants something. Only reason these people cool with you because you pop. Only reason these people cool with you because you got this or you got that or you can do this for them. You provide opportunities. You know what I mean? So the personal is is so much more genuine than the, than the music industry. And I think that's what helps keep you grounded and allow you to attack the career even better. Yeah, I hope by you talking with me, you feel that I'm genuine because I know, you know, you got people who use your presence for notoriety. Hey, wear my shirt on Instagram, promote this, promote that. But the fact that you're here means a lot because I know how valuable of a commodity your time is and I recognize it. And giving away some of these gems for free when you could write a book behind the hits or, you know, that you could publish and release at any point, there's value in these stories as well. So the book, the book is on the way and it's titled Behind the Hits, already written, going through uh editorial stages right now. It's crazy you say that. So we we are definitely uh uh on, the, on aligned, so to speak, man. I always post eleven eleven. So I, you sound like you could be of the eleven eleven caliber. I, I appreciate that, man. I'm, I'm just a fan, you know, and I know we're a ways off from the album, but it's going to be a cruel winter. I think December nineteenth is the is the date still. Yes, sir. The, December nineteenth. Uh, we're we're pushing it. I'm aiming to it. I'm sticking to it. I like to give myself a date, a goal, so I can really attack and be under pressure, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm beating myself up about, man. Pushing for December nineteenth. I appreciate you, your music, the whole nine, brother, man. Thanks for being here. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, man.